everyone and welcome to the Words With Me podcast. My name is Karsten Bush and I am an engineer and millennial who is finding her footing while becoming the highest version of herself. If this is your first time here, thank you so much for joining me. And if this is your second, third, however many times, thank you again for coming back. I really appreciate it. So if you're listening to this, I'm recording around Easter Sunday. So tomorrow's actually going to be Easter. So happy Easter to those who observe it. And if you listened to the last episode or if you've been catching up, your girl has been very busy. Um, I had another episode, episode 13, where I talked about this. And there's actually a YouTube video for that episode. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. But I was able to give myself Friday off for just a little me day. Um, I was feeling a little burnt out and I had finished the things I needed to work on. So I was like, hey, let me just take a little vacation day and just relax. So the day obviously included catching up shows, and one of the shows that I wanted to catch up on was Love is Blind, season four to be specific. Um, I've watched all the seasons, and it's definitely a show that I enjoy, and the fact that there's four seasons already is kind of wild. But if you're new here, you may not know that reality TV is kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, and I've made at least one podcast episode talking about America's Next Top Model, which you should check out if you're interested. But this time around, we are going to be focusing mostly on Love is Blind Season 4. So definitely get ready for a really interesting episode. Now, if you've seen the show, you already know what it's all about. And honestly, I would be surprised if you haven't seen at least one clip either on Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube since it is in the fourth season. But just in case, this show is actually an experiment where singles come together and get to know each other in pods. And this season's actually in Seattle, which is pretty cool. But basically, picture a bunch of people who are blind dating each other. But the catch is that they're not able to actually see what the other person they're talking to looks like. And they don't get to see them until, number one, they have to be interested in each other and they kind of further the relationship. But what's really key is that they have to agree to be engaged. Somebody has to propose and the proposal is accepted. And then that's kind of the opportunity for them to meet each other for the first time after spending... I think it would be 10 days together, so not a very long time. Now, there is kind of a theory about the show, mostly from OG viewers, that the show was made for Lauren and Cameron of season one to meet each other, and I wholeheartedly agree because they are my favorites from the show. And generally, with reality TV dating shows, it can be a hit or miss whether or not the relationships actually work, but they are still going strong, and they are a result of the show. And kind of in the same line, I really like Brett and Tiffany because they're very, very close second to me. I just love watching them and their dynamic. And I really hope that they make it all the way to the end because I would honestly be crushed if they did not. But what I really love about these two couples I just mentioned is that so far, at least, they're examples of what happens when the process, or at least this show, um, when the process goes right. And when you have two mature people who are actually ready, and I'll repeat that, they are actually ready to find love, they're not afraid of expressing their feelings and their emotions, and they really have the other person's best interests in heart and mind. And I love that. 
But I do have to be a little bit honest, and I think we could all be a little honest as well. Um, what I think really keeps people, and maybe me a little bit, you know, coming back, is honestly the mess. It's the drama. It's reality TV. So obviously, we'd be expecting a little bit of that, especially the fact that the show is in its fourth season, I think already says enough about how much we keep coming back for mess. But let's actually get into reality TV. You know, how did it start? Why is it so popular? And why do we keep coming back to it in the first place? So I guess you could kind of say this is like a lore of reality TV in general, but with most reality TV shows, there's bound to be some drama in one form or another. And most of the iconic memes, gifts, clips that you see kind of circulating online and social media are actually from reality TV shows. So think about your favorite clip that you just keep seeing. It makes you laugh. Chances are it could be from a reality TV show. And I think it is a universal fact, in, in my opinion, but I think it's a universal fact that The Real Housewives of Atlanta has some of the best moments ever. And I would be shocked if you didn't know who Nini was, but a good percentage of the TikToks that I watch, the ones I save, the ones I share, the ones that I just go and keep going back to are from old Housewives clips. And we're not really talking about Real Housewives today, but obviously I had to mention it because it's the best. But reality TV has actually been around for decades, and a lot of people credit the real world on MTV as being the first official reality TV show, but it's noted in Encyclopedia Britannica that the origins of reality TV can be traced back all the way to the 1950s with live camera TV shows first becoming popular. And Candid Camera is kind of an old example of one of these shows, but it was one of the first shows to actually have this kind of live reality TV experience. And people were really interested in seeing actual lived experiences of other people instead of only watching scripted network TV shows. And I guess you can argue nowadays, you know, if TV, reality TV specifically is scripted, but anyway, the Real World was the first reality TV show, but it was the first show that influenced how reality TV shows are produced. And when I say the first one, it's not literally the first one like we just said, but it's kind of the first show that's influenced other shows we watch today. So that was kind of the formula for The Real Housewives, for The Bachelor, Bachelorettes, for The Survivors you name it, any reality TV show that's been around for a while, they kind of laid the framework. And another reason why shows like this became so popular is because people could actually follow real people. So quote unquote, everyday people, instead of only following celebrities. And people wanted to see the unexpected. And you can kind of get that by following people who aren't celebrities. And now that we have a little history, a little education on reality TV, let's talk about authenticity and why it's even relevant to this episode and reality TV as a whole. You can argue that reality TV is actually reality. And I guess it depends on what types of reality TV shows you're watching. You could give these shows the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, let's say you believe that the people who are casted on the shows are showing you who they are authentically, even when the cameras aren't rolling. And even the casting process is a conversation that 
has been had on a lot of deeper levels. But even from the casting to location to just what's actually going to happen on the show, you can make an argument whether or not it's real. And one of the most classic, um, I would say, tropes when it comes to whether or not something's real can be seen on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. So one of the most classic conflicts on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette is whether or not somebody is there for the right reasons. Maybe they're stuck in a tricky situation. Somebody found out a rumor and now, hey, are you actually here because you want to be with this person or are you here because you want to get airtime? Um, and really, in other words, they just want to know if they're being honest or not. And if they're really being their authentic self. And I found a really interesting paper online. Uh, it's talking about authenticity and surveillance in reality TV. And this paper is authored by Laura Beatty from Western Washington University, which I'm going to link in the show notes. But in the paper, she says that surveillance is a key factor in reality TV, and it shapes many aspects of the genre such as the creation of parasocial relationships, how reality and authenticity are constructed within reality TV, and how contestants interact with each other. And for those contestants or participants on the shows, if there's even a whiff, a hint of fakery, inauthenticity, or just really being two-faced, they quickly lose favor, not only with the other participants, but for the viewers who are watching. And that can be unwarranted or warranted depending on the actual situation that's happening in the show. And in the paper, they also talk about how contestants can play the game. So meaning that if there's a prize, so a lot of times reality shows, there's a cash prize, there's an opportunity, there's a contract. If there's a goal that they have in mind as participants, they can intentionally put on a persona that's not actually their own in order to get closer to that goal or to at least have access to that goal. And if you can't play the game well, you will inevitably be kicked off the show. So a lot of maybe strategy shows like Survivor, The Circle is another good example on Netflix. If they figure out that you are not being authentic, then you can get kicked off the show. You can get bad press, a lot of things. And authenticity as a whole, especially when we're talking about reality TV shows, is kind of a gray area because what's actually real and what's actually fake when it comes to reality TV. So if you are one of those people who hasn't watched the season of Love is Blind season four, there are some spoilers in this podcast episode. So I am going to give you the chance to leave, maybe open up your phone, your laptop, turn on your TV, and go watch the episodes of the season. If you don't want to, or maybe you've already seen the episodes, you're still here. So buckle up. Let's get into Love is Blind season four. Now tying this idea of authenticity and showing up as your authentic self into Love is Blind, there are two people in particular on this season that kind of give off the energy of trying to play the game like we talked about earlier but they're playing the game and they're doing a bad job of it so Micah and Irina are two names that have come up from season four of Love is Blind and if you're caught up Jackie has surprisingly become worse than either of them in one episode which kind of sucks because I was rooting for her but I digress Micah and Irina give off very much mean girl energy, mean girl vibes. So really, I guess for lack of a better word, 
peaked in high school and now they're trying to take that same energy to the rest of their lives. But they're literally the type of people who will laugh when one of the women in the pods is crying. They'll try to manipulate situations with the men that they're interested in solely because they want to be picked and not necessarily because they're interested in other people. And if you watch the episodes, the way that they go about it is it's really low. So Micah isn't really the focus of this episode, but with Micah and the man she's interested in, Kwame, he expresses to her that the other woman who is kind of vying for his affection, Chelsea, is actually affirming him, telling him that she loves him, she appreciates him, and Micah basically isn't doing that. So Micah is not really interested in Kwame like that because she ends up going with another man and she does all this manipulation with the other man to make him kind of dump the woman he was talking with before. And all of this because she just wants to be picked. And she doesn't end up even picking Kwame in the end, which is like another just low move. But beyond that, that's just an example of Micah and kind of what she's been up to. Irina is really the focus of this episode. And again, she is very much an example of playing the game and not playing it well at all. And we clearly see what they're about because we see everything that's being filmed. The dates are being filmed. The interactions with the other participants are being filmed. We see everything. But back to this game. So in this case, the game is finding love and really being chosen by someone and ultimately getting engaged. So within the experiment, the men and the women are separated. So the men can fully interact and see each other, uh, but they can't interact with the women. They can only interact with them when they are on blind dates. And the women can also do the same when they're not on blind dates. And these interactions, again, they're also filmed. So sometimes you run into the issue where what one person experiences during the blind date is completely different from what the rest of the participants experience when they're just interacting on a normal day-to-day -day basis. Where Irina is playing the game, her actual competition is Bliss, who is another woman, another participant. They inadvertently find themselves going after the same man and that guy is Zach. So Zach's working through his feelings. He's trying to find love. And now he has two women he's interested in, which in the world of reality TV dating shows can be an issue of, hey, I'm in love with both of you equally. I could see myself being with either of you, but that's a whole other thing. But the interesting thing about Zach is that he leans very heavily on his upbringing and his experience. He's a lawyer and he has found success in his career, but he had a hard time growing up. He wasn't from a wealthy background and he expresses that some of the women he's tried to make a connection with in the past have judged him poorly or their families have judged him poorly because of his background. Um, he was raised by a single mom and his mom was actually a stripper. And the reason we know all of this is because he says it. It's not really any speculation or rumor. This is his lived experience that he's explaining to not only the women, but to us as the viewers. And I wouldn't say it's a crutch, you know, because we can only have so much impact on our actual lived experiences, especially when we're growing up as children. But it's an important factor to note. 
And he also kind of uses it, again, to gauge other people's reactions by falsely saying he's a stripper during the blind dates. And a lot of the women, when they go back and interact with the other participants, they kind of express how much they don't like him. And it could just be because, you know, weird energy, weird vibes, or the fact that, like, you're kind of lying about being a stripper. But anyway, I don't know how fair or healthy that is, but that's what he does in his quest to find someone to love, someone to be married to. So Bliss is interested in him, and Irina is also interested in him. With Bliss, the connection is, it's so much deeper. And when you're watching on the show, it's one of those things where you're kind of screaming at the TV, like, how do you not see that this woman is actually the one you should be going for? Stop talking to Irina and start talking to Bliss. But they have similar interests and values, and they connect on really small things. They like the same song. They like the same books. They just have shared perspectives overall. And it's very clear that they are a better match. Completely and totally, if you watch the show, there is no question that they are the better match. But with Irina, remember that mean girl energy that we were talking about earlier? She very much gives the type of person who just wants things to work in their favor, not because they're genuinely interested, but because they just want to win. Hence, kind of the example with Micah and Kwame, Micah doing all of that, even though she didn't really want him in the end. But Irina is literally the embodiment of being completely two-faced. And one example is the birthday incident on the show, or what some people are actually calling Cupcake Gate. So let's get a little more into Zach, Bliss, and Irina. So Bliss, being the thoughtful person she is, she decides to make cupcakes for Zach because it's his birthday and she remembered that it's his birthday. So because the women can fully interact with each other again, they see each other on a day-to-day basis. They can't see the men, but they can see each other. Irina also sees her baking these cupcakes, decorating these cupcakes during the day. Um, Irina goes up to her and through a conversation pretty brief with her, she figures out that Bliss is making cupcakes for Zach's birthday. And Irina, who was also interested in Zach, forgot it was his birthday. Maybe she just, she didn't know, but she she forgot it's his birthday, which is already kind of a red flag in, in this situation specifically. But Irina then has the nerve, the audacity to try to ask Bliss for a candle in a really desperate mood. And she's doing this somehow to give Zach the candle on the birthday that she forgot, which is kind of low already and not to go off completely but that moment fully showed me at least the type of person Irina is Bliss obviously tells her no as she should and she continues decorating the cupcakes that she made for Zach and Bliss rightfully so took offense to it and to add insult to injury during Irina's blind date with Zach Irina tries to flip the script and paint Bliss to be this vindictive, jealous person. And she wishes Zach a happy birthday and then talks about how much she doesn't like Bliss. So she kind of had the first move. She was able to get to Zach before Bliss could and kind of set this tone already that Bliss isn't this person to be trusted, that she's just rude and vindictive and that she's doing the most when in fact, Irina is actually doing the most. I don't know if Zach is just a little clueless, but 
He recognizes in this moment that Irina is being very catty and manipulative, but in his effort to try to make this relationship with Irina work, he somehow turns it into a positive. Somehow this becomes an example of just how deep and really honest and true her love for him is. This person is being manipulative and rude. They are going out of their way to make sure nothing stands in their path to get you, whether that's lying on someone, whether it's manipulating a situation, whether it's talking behind their back, they're doing any and everything. He took that as an example of how much Irina liked him, which is already strange in itself. He had already set in motion his ultimate choice. And eventually he chooses Irina. And this is even in the face of the fact that not only did Irina forget your actual birthday, but Bliss took the time to make cupcakes, to acknowledge you, to make you feel special and appreciated on your day. So he chooses Irina, who was not a nice person over Bliss, who was actually kind and considerate and thoughtful. And Bliss actually did try to warn him about Irina's character. And duh, why wouldn't she when she's been living with her and interacting with her for days? At this point, Bliss knows Irina way more than Zack does, just based off the interaction. And that's kind of the disadvantage of this show, where they only have so many interactions with this other person that are limited. Zack chose wrong. He proposed to Irina and in classic reality TV fashion. As soon as Irina finally sees him in person, they are standing face to face. They are standing feet from each other. It's clear that she is not at all attracted to him. So all of this work and all this effort to try to get this man to pick you, to notice you, to acknowledge you, to put you above all these other people. And now you, you don't like him, which is what you get. That's what she deserved. She doesn't want him to touch her, to kiss her, to hold her. She just wants nothing to do with him. And she's just not interested. And once they actually leave the pods, she continues to make snide remarks about his look. She's actually kind of flirting with another one of the guys. She actually starts flirting with the guy that Micah ends up with. Zach ultimately ends their relationship maybe a few days later. So they're still on the honeymoon and it maybe is day two or so and they end that relationship he can clearly see that she is not this nice person that she portrayed herself to be and that actually that viciousness the vindictiveness the manipulation that he tried so hard to turn into a positive is actually not positive at all and that's just who she is during the breakup in mexico so they're still on their honeymoon um, Irina actually encourages Zach to pursue someone else. So with his newfound knowledge, Zach then backtracks. Once the honeymoon's over, he goes back and he actually goes on a couple dates with Bliss. He proposes to her eventually, maybe after the second or third date that we see on the show. And she agrees. And it makes her a part of the experiment again. And now she's going through this process of being engaged and eventually planning the wedding. So I do feel like Bliss and Zach are kind of cute together. And their connection, again, is much better than the connection he had with Irina because there wasn't really a connection there. But the situation's strange. And the only reason they are together is that he realized he made the wrong choice. I'll say I... I feel like they could both say yes, but 
we'll see what happens when the show is over. I think the most ironic part of this whole situation with Zach Bliss and Irina on the show is that Zach fully acknowledges to Irina during one of their dates that she is more vicious and that she's more vicious than him, that she actually is a vindictive person. He also acknowledges that there is something to be said about the fact that none of the other women other than Micah actually like her, but he's convinced himself that he trusts her and that he can see through her hard exterior and the person that she portrays herself to be to see the person that she really is deep down inside. And this is just lies. It's all lies. He's telling lies to himself. And I think that for shows like this, it's very easy to make the wrong choices if you aren't as self-aware, but you're isolated from the actual real world and you have very limited input from other people on the relationships that you are forming. So there's something similar that happens in other reality TV shows reality dating shows when it comes to choosing the wrong person and these types of shows give people access to other people in such a unique way that they're almost blinded by their desire to be loved and to find love and the prospect of love is so strong that even the brightest red flags can be ignored and of course there's an article from psychology today on this subject which will be linked below so one reason and I think the biggest reason in this situation that Zach was able to ignore Irina's red flags is that we tend to tune out red flags to maintain positive illusions or perceptions of dating partners. And while a good first impression is important, it can be a detriment to hold on to these impressions even when we receive data or information or evidence that suggests that, hey, you're probably wrong about this person that you're interested in, and here's why. This is basically confirmation bias, and confirmation bias is our tendency to pursue and believe facts that prove what we already suspect or believe to be true. This is what causes us to ignore red flags and only see really what we want to see. We're ignoring what is clearly in front of our faces, and that's exactly what Zach did even when Bliss told him about who Irina really was as a person, he ignored it and he still chose Irina at the end of the day. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this specifically is that watching reality TV shows, there's mess, there's drama, yes, but there's always something that you can kind of take away and learn from it. And I guess you could say it worked out for him in the end because he was able to make that connection with Bliss again and they entered into a new relationship. But I think it's important to kind of recognize how we get blinded by so many things that cause us to make the wrong choices and the wrong decisions in the first place. So that honeymoon that he could have spent with Bliss in Mexico, he wasted it all being with Irina because, again, it was the wrong choice to make. And I'll also include a link in the show notes to a YouTube video from one of my favorite channels, um, Psychology in Seattle. You should definitely check it out if you're interested in getting another perspective on this relationship dynamic between Zach, Irina, and Bliss. He also talks about a lot of other reality TV dating shows. He talks about Married at First Sight. I think he talks about 90 Day Fiance. And they're all really insightful, especially from his perspective as a therapist. So I'll close this out with a quote on red flags from the article from psychology today 
A red flag is an indicator of the character flaws you will need to learn to live with in the long term if this person becomes your life partner, or I guess you could say temporary partner, date, whatever you want to call it. You can feel compassion for your dating partner because ultimately we all suffer our own character flaws and none of us are perfect. The real question is whether you can still love this person despite their character flaws if their character flaws prove to be beyond fixing. If the answer is yes, move forward. If the answer is no, move on. And I guess it also kind of makes me question how much in your pursuit to either find a relationship, to find love, to be with someone, how much are you willing to accept because you want to be in a relationship? So hopefully you took something away from this discussion, basically on Love is Blind, but also talking a bit about reality TV and authenticity. And with that, here are our affirmations for this episode of the podcast. I can trust my decision-making abilities and I know what's right for me. It is okay for me to show up authentically. When someone shows me who they are, I believe them the first time. I am not afraid to act in my own best interests. Thank you so much if you made it to the end of the episode. I'm really excited to start doing some new things with the podcast, which you'll see very soon. But I really do enjoy talking about reality TV. I think it's fun. And this is a fun episode for me. And the thing is that even in all of the messiness, the pettiness, whatever you want to call it, there's still something to take away. But I was so frustrated with this situation in Love is Blind because as a viewer, I can clearly see what's happening. And the fact that Zach was just ignoring all of it, literally all of it, just bothered me so much. And kind of touching again on authenticity, I think that it's it's not rare, but when you have moments on reality TV shows where this person is very clearly showing just how mean, how petty they are, even with the cameras rolling. So you can assume when the cameras are off, it's probably worse. But when they start kind of showing themselves, it can kind of be shocking, especially on a show like this, when you're trying to portray yourself as this person who's deserving of love, you know, and we're all deserving of love. But in this situation of trying to present who you are authentically and just trying to have someone really know you, it kind of sucks when you're really lying about it. And it's easy to shut out the things that you have zero tolerance for. And for me, that kind of mean girl energy, like that kind of desperate, like pick me energy is not it at all. I hope you've watched Love is Blind and that this episode is relevant to you. But let me know if there was something interesting from this episode. Um, I think for me, just maturing and growing as a person, these types of situations, I just don't have any patience for because it's just a waste of time. But just be a good person is all I can honestly say at the end of all this. But thank you again for joining me for this episode of the podcast. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Words With Me Podcast. And you can even catch a few full episodes of the podcast on YouTube. My socials are also going to be linked in the show notes. And I recently dropped a new blog post and I'm planning on blogging about once a week. We'll see. So be sure to go to www.wordswithmepodcast.com and you can follow the blog with your email. But anyway, 
I hope you have a great rest of your day and thank you so much for joining me again. Bye.